0: Well, good morning, church. Again, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Jess, Uh, Pastor Pete and Rose are in Kununara at the moment, uh, ministering up there. So um, yeah, looking forward to hearing some testimonies of how how that morning went up there. But um, this morning, I want to talk to you about um, just the season that we're in as a church, You know, in this season, I really believe that God wants to give us eyes to see, ears to hear and a heart to receive. You know, he said to the Pharisees, though you have eyes, you do not see, though you have ears, you're not hearing. So in this season, you know, especially as we step into a season of prayer, it's like God wants to reveal those things to us. He wants us to be the ones that discern the times. Uh, Not only so we can just look out and say, wow, look at that, that we actually take part. You know, that it's more than just, say, looking for a manifestation of the kingdom of God, but it's actually becoming one. You know, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is within. He said, don't say, look here or look there. He said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. I just get so um, excited when I... um, Find out that a Christian person has been catching up with an unbeliever. We've got a few Christian people in the park at the moment and I was driving past the other morning and I seen uh, someone who I know is a Christian talking to a whole group of people and I just thought, wow, that is so powerful. You carry the kingdom of God within and you're getting around unbelievers. God wants to fan that into flame so people really see your light shine. Amen. No one lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. Hallelujah. This week, I've heard four testimonies of people that have been set free from depression. I actually heard three of them on Tuesday. <laughs> and I just thought, wow. And then the fourth one was over a uh, messenger. And I'm just going to read a quote. Uh, the person said I could read it out even though I won't reveal their identity. But this is what they said. For the first time in a long time, I'm not clouded by grief and depression And I have a clear vision of the future. That's so amazing, isn't it? Praise God. And guess what? Each person had a different person from this church pray for them. It's not just about the pastor. Actually, I think only one person had a pastor pray. All four were just people in the congregation that have the good news of the gospel in their heart. You know, I've heard someone say that more Christians have faith in the second coming of Christ than they do the gospel. It's time for the people of God to actually believe the power of the gospel. Hallelujah. It's not just about going to heaven one day. (laughs) The kingdom of God is within. That's good news. I just want us to turn to Luke chapter 4. If you can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Actually, I've got slides, but I don't have this one up. I'm going to go to that one in a sec, but that's okay. Let's start in Luke chapter 4. Who's got their Bibles? Uh, like six people. <laughs> Luke chapter four. This was one of the first things that Jesus spoke publicly. He, there's actually over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. So he could have got up in the synagogue and said many, many things. But this is one of the first things that he's taught publicly in the synagogue. It reveals a lot about his ministry. Luke 4:18 He says, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Church, we are in such a season of healing at the moment. It's like people are coming in one way and they are leaving a different way. That is what God is doing in this season. And he wants to do it through us. Who's in for that?" There's no greater joy. Ministers of reconciliation means that we reconcile everything that's out of joint with that. Everything comes back into line. Amen? To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all who are in the synagogue were fixed on him. They would have been like, who does he think he is reading that hour? (laughs) And then he says, and then begins to say, today, everyone say today. Today. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Wow. That is such an amazing thing that that is the first thing that Jesus said and then he says to the disciples later on as the father sends me I now send you. Who who wants a part of that? Amen. All right, the first slide's up. I've actually been stuck on this verse for weeks. I just keep meditating on it and meditating on it. And um, who's familiar with the book of Daniel? There's lots of prophecy in there, lots of end time prophecy. But there's a part in chapter 10 where uh, Daniel starts to see, actually in chapter 9, it talks about where he starts to see that uh, the Israelites are going to be in captivity for 70 years. And so he starts to intercede on behalf of the people. And then this, I just want to read this um, 10, 12 then there's the angel that's appearing to Daniel. And he says, "'Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day "'that you set your heart to understand, "'from the first day that you set your heart to understand "'and humble yourself before God, "'your words were heard, and I've come because of your words.'" That is such a powerful insight into the people of God uh, being receptive and having eyes to see, ears to hear what God is doing in this season. If you want to take part, it's going to take this: setting our hearts to understand, having that humility. What did Jesus say about prayer? Go into your room and shut your door, and pray to your Father who sees in secret and he'll reward you, reward you in the open. We're in such a season where He's calling us into that place. That secret place should be our most familiar place. Amen. We've got the World Prayer Assembly coming up in October. For anyone who's down in Perth, that's going to be an amazing time. But, you know, it's not about one church or one denomination. It's about the body of Christ coming together and praying about this end time revival that everyone takes part. There's an interesting uh, passage in Exodus, I don't have this one up there, but um, who's familiar with the story of uh, when Moses had the stick and he crossed the Red Sea with the people of God? That's like a kid's Bible story, right? Most of us should know that one. But I was reading this and I thought there's three different perspectives in the same situation here. You've got the Egyptians who have gone, right, they're stuck. They're standing in front of uh, the Red Sea. The Egyptians have gone, great, we can go, we can pursue, we can bring them into captivity. But then you've got the Israelites who start to complain and say, oh, it would have been better if we go back to Egypt and go back into bondage. Moses, did you bring, out here, bring us out here to die where there are not enough graves in Egypt? Same situation, different perspective. But then you've got Moses And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord for which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today shall be again no more forever. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Three different perspectives, same situation. God is wanting to bring us into the perspective that Moses had, what looked like a complete defeat. They were standing in front of an ocean. This had never been done before. And God says, see that stick in your hand, Moses? Point it towards the sea. And what did God do? He parted the sea. Do you think Moses would have been like, you want me to do what, sorry? Sorry but it was the biggest deliverance of the people of God because Moses had eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to receive what God wanted to do. Amen? All right. I feel to do a little demonstration, so I'm going to get my husband up. I only told him this about 10 minutes ago. Okay, so you stand back a little bit. All right. So if someone were to come and stand before us, you kind of start to know some obvious, notice some obvious things about them. I can, you know, notice that he's got boots from Kmart for $10, by the way. <laughs> start to notice, you know, the shirt or, you know, hair tied up, obvious physical things about his appearance. Perhaps he starts to talk and you think, oh, he's, he likes fishing. Or, you know, you start to notice things about his personality. I just want to bring us into a truth of how God sees us. Ephesians 1, 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The Amplified Version says, you're blameless in my sight. You're above reproach. That's how God sees us. You're blameless in his sight. Amen? Amen? And it's because of that that he says, I want you to come boldly. I want you to come boldly to the throne of grace. Can you just come and approach me, but do it like really sheepishly and like, a, and, and I'm, you're going to come and grab this. So sometimes that's how we uh, approach God in prayer. It's not scriptural, church, it's not scriptural to approach God like that. Amen. This is how we are to approach Him. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly, everyone say boldly, Boldly. draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favour to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, Appropriate help and well-timed help is coming just when we need it. Hallelujah. I want you to come and grab this, but do it boldly. He's so willing. And that's how we uh, approach him in prayer. What did the angel say to Daniel? I've come because of your words. In this season, don't let the enemy steal your prayer life. Pray pray those bold prayers, those outrageous prayers. I think, Rach, you had this uh, in your communion message. Isaiah 53, 4 to 5. Surely, everyone say surely. Surely. He has borne our griefs. Uh, The Amplified actually says anxiety, grief, calamity. I want you to think of something that you feel like stopping you right now. He took it. It says he's carried our sorrows. We esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, everyone say our peace, was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. That's why we yield to him. That's why we continually want to be giving ourselves over to him. No one else paid for our freedom. Amen? When we take communion, when we're taking the bread, that's a representative of what he did. Those griefs, those anxieties, those people that have been set free from depression, that's the outworking of the gospel. That's for now, that's for today. You know, my girls had their athletic carnival uh, this week and um, so cute seeing them do all the games and races and... They both really, really wanted to get one of the ribbons (laughs) and they only had two running races each and that's where you get the individual ones. I I don't think the team ones count that much according to them. And uh, one of my daughters um, got one and the other one didn't. And I thought, oh, how's this going to go? And one of them cried because she didn't get it and her sister did get it. The one that had the second place was, you know, (laughs) and she said, can I wear this into town today? I'm like, If you want. (laughs) So she's walking around in woolies with this second place ribbon on, you know. (laughs) But it's like when we're in the gospel, we don't wear individual victories. We carry the victory of Christ. We're representatives of what he did on the cross. It's not about an individual uh, thing. Look at me. Look what I did. Amen. We're trophies of his grace. We all partake. And I'm just sharing some truths with you this morning that are going to stop that prayer life being powerful, getting on our knees. I just feel the Holy Spirit really wanting to share some things with you this morning, church. So open your heart. I'm sharing a few scriptures that we talk about a lot. And sometimes, oh yeah, I've heard that. Open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal something new to you this morning. Amen. Okay, so we know that um, the enemy prowls around like a lion, right? Right. And we know that we are the ones that have to cast down every argument, every high and lofty thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and we've got to bring it into the obedience of Christ. That's like a daily thing that we need to do. I say to my kids, think about what you're thinking about. I was at netball the other day with one of my daughters and she starts going, I'm the worst one on the team and... Oh, I just had oh, the coach, her, all of her feedback's always at me and, and, and it's, just, it's just not true. And as she was out there playing, I could just see her confidence just really low and I thought, the enemy is trying to steal that from her. That's the one thing that she does, the one after-school activity that she does and the enemy's out there trying to steal it. So it's up to us to pull those thoughts down. No one can do that for you. And, you know, I was thinking about this and fear should be a really big warning sign when we're thinking about things, say a situation, we've got a a thought pattern that's rooted in fear, that has its fruit in fear. You start thinking about it, I feel a bit, you know, anxious, anxiety, terror, alarm, warning sign. It's not God's voice. You know, when we're in Israel, they actually drive on the other side of the road and so simple things like trying to cross the road. You get to the road and, and there, there was 42 people on our tour. So you've got 42 people from Australia trying to cross the road, looking the other way. The cars are actually coming from that way. <laughs> I stopped someone from getting right. I'm like, stop, they did And oh, they came back and, you know, a simple thing like crossing the road. But if you don't know what you're looking out for, you're going to get in trouble. Amen? Fear. It's not the voice of God. Okay. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is faith building, not fear inflicting. Amen. John 15, 26, but the helper, and then Jesus describes what his ministry is gonna be like in our lives, in our hearts. He's a comforter. He advocates for us, he's an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, a standby. When he comes, whom I will send to the Father send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, what's he gonna do? He's gonna testify and bear witness about Jesus. What did we just read in Isaiah 53 that he's borne our griefs, our sorrows, our calamity, our anxiety? Depression. When we yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he's bringing us into the victory of Christ. Amen? All right. Yielding to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I was driving along um, the other day and I heard the Holy Spirit say in my heart, you're illegitimate if you don't receive correction. So, ooh, that's... What's that about? You're a son and a daughter if you receive correction. And I knew that the Holy Spirit was bringing me to a verse in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to go there in a minute. But I just want to say that there's some portions of Scripture that the enemy is used to bring the people of God into fear. And so we're just going to shine a bit of a light on it this morning. And Before we do, a perfect example of this was... um, a few months ago, I'd just corrected uh, one of our daughters. She'd done something wrong. I said, hey, like, don't do that. And I'm, you know, giving a correction, telling her I've stopped that, that's not. And she got a bit, mm, you know, I don't know if she really received it. Mm, but do no attitude, you know. And then a few minutes later, she's sitting at the breakfast table and we have these little memory verse cards and the kids love them. It's like you do your memory verse for the week and colour them in and you get a prize. And so she's sitting there and, and I said, hey, what, just, why don't you choose your memory verse while you're eating your brekkie? And, and so she's flicking through, you know, still with this sort of mm, attitudes towards me. And she pulls out Acts 5.29. I know you'd know what I'm going to say, Epsy, because I shared this story with Epsy. She pulls out Acts 5.29. And Acts 5.29 says, we must obey God rather than man. And she goes, mum, this is my memory verse. We must obey God rather than man. (laughs) I I actually can't even believe that was in a kid's memory verse pack. Hilarious. But anyway, so she still... (laughs) And I'm like, okay. That is the perfect example of how we can get Scripture out of context, right? Whenever we're reading Scripture, we've always got to read it in the lens of the new covenant, in the lens of what Jesus did. Amen. Can I get an amen this morning, church? Alrighty. Oh, they're different. Oh, Oh, I think I just turned it off. Not sure what's happening there. Anyway, you guys can read it. Uh, Open your Bibles to Hebrews 12. We're going to read the whole passage anyway. I only had one verse up. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go. Ah, There you go. That's the last one that I'm going to get to. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start at verse 5. And it says... Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. See, I used to read that and go, oh, I'm just going to flick through that because that sounds horrible. I don't know what that's about, but I'm just going to flick through it. Verse 7 If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And that was what the Holy Spirit quickened to me. He said, you're illegitimate if you're not receiving correction from me. Just a little side note, we've got to be giving ourselves over to the Holy Spirit and be willing to be corrected by him. He says, if you're not willing to be corrected, you're illegitimate. Amen. Verse eight, but if you're without chastening... Which all of you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Verse 9 Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? That's really key to this whole passage to understanding it Father of spirits, ministry of uh, the new covenant, spirit and word. Amen? He corrects us through the spirit and the word. Verse ten: For they indeed, for a few days, chastened us, and as it seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. If you want to be holiness, just means set apart from God, set apart for God, for His use, sanctified. If you want to be set apart for His use, we give ourselves over to that correction. Father, search my heart, Lord. Is there anything that You need to speak into? Again, it's this position, Daniel. He humbled himself before God and he received understanding. No chastening seemed to be joyful for the present but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, this is the good part, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness by those who have been trained by it. And it's interesting that that word chastisement is also translated nurture, Training, instruction. Kind of gives a bit of a different slant on it, doesn't it? Correction from God does not look like here's a tragedy for you to go through. It does not look like here's a sickness to teach you. It looks like here's a truth to set you free. You see, religion will use that fear oh, maybe I, you know, maybe this is from God and I have to really hold on to it and walk through it. You can't have faith to be free when you're thinking that it's a punishment from God. But who knows there's a difference between punishment and discipline. Discipline actually comes from the word disciple. You know, if we've had an earthly father or mother that perhaps were, you know, really big on punishment, you did wrong, so here's a punishment. When we do wrong, God says, I want to disciple you. I want to bring you into the ministry of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit is going to make known what Jesus did on the cross to us. Hey, you're better than that. I haven't called you to that. I've set you free from that. Jesus paid for that. That's what we want to be yielding to. Amen. And sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable, you know. I liken it to say I got a massage yesterday because my neck was just feeling a bit tight, and, you know, as the lady's getting in my neck, I'm like, you know, but you know that it's doing good. That's why we yield to him, yield to his voice. Or it can be like, say, um, our kids do this in the morning a lot, we're fast asleep and they'll come in and like open the curtains and turn the light on you and you kind of go, like you're a little bit blinded and startled for a minute. I've had times where God's spoken into my life and I've gone, oh, yeah, you're right. That actually isn't in line with who you are and what you want for me. And so I yield myself to it. That's where fruit comes from. We're illegitimate if we're not receiving the correction, the instruction, the discipline, the chastisement. Does that kind of bring a different meaning on that word for you now? Something that we want to give ourselves over to. Amen. I just want to read Daniel 10:12 again. And then he said to me, "Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words were heard from that first day, and I've come because of your words." We're in such a season where God's calling us into that prayer, calling us into that position of humility. Will you allow him to do something new in your heart, church, something afresh? You know, many of us have been believers for a very, very long time, but it's like God saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. You know, Jesus wept over Jerusalem because uh, it says that they missed the hour of their visitation. The one thing that they were waiting for, they were looking and waiting for the Messiah, but because of the hardness of their hearts, they missed it. They actually crucified him. He's calling us deeper this season, church. If you all just stand, please. Get the team back up. Thank you, Lord God. Just close your eyes, church. Lift your hands to heaven. Thank you, Lord God. We just thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here revealing that ministry of Jesus, that he's taken our sorrows and griefs and calamities and anxieties. Father, such a season of freedom for your people. But Lord, you're calling us to prayer. You're calling us to humble ourselves, Father, to get down on our knees, Father God. We just thank you, Father God, that this is a church that has eyes to see and ears to receive, ears to hear, a heart to receive. We just thank you, Father God. We give ourselves over to you, Lord God, for that new thing that you're doing, Lord God, that we are ministers of reconciliation. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just speak to every heart right now that's been in bondage, Father God. I just speak the breath of God into those areas, Father God, those areas that have been there for way too long. Father, we just thank you such a season of freedom. I know I keep saying that, but it's what God is doing at this time. We just thank you, Father, for healing in the house, Lord God, that you're bringing many sons and daughters into glory. Father, we yield to your uh, correction, to your direction. Thank you, Father, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord.